Hello, everybody. Welcome to this episode of Canines Talking Sense. I'm your host, Cameron Ford, broadcasting live from out here in Scent City, Las Vegas. On this episode, I wanted to do something different, a discipline that we have not covered really before, and that is the world of bed bug detection. Now, many people looked at bed bugs and said, wow, this is going to be a really good business, and there was definitely the gold rush period. Over the years I've been doing detection, I've seen the bed bug surge, and I've seen it drop down quite a bit. COVID was a big hit to uh, the bed bug industry. And after that, we're seeing a resurgence. So I wanted to bring on a friend of mine who does this business, and they actually were even a client of mine through Ford Canine. And just getting to know him and what he's done and through a lot of uh, adversity too, as many of you guys know, uh, we get asked frequently, how do I become a detection dog handler? I don't have military, I don't have law enforcement, and my guest had the exact same background. So Nick Hamer, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us for this podcast episode. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Good to talk to you again. So... Like I said in the intro here, people are always interested as a business opportunity. If they're not law enforcement, they're not uh, military, but they want to get into the business. Bed bugs had been one of these areas of interest by a lot of people who want to find themselves in a professional dog handler uh, kind of work or job. Tell us how you got there. And I know you kind of have, you have a very interesting story, um, and, and how this happened. And like I said, uh, you did it through some pretty tough conditions. So I'll let you kind of just tell us your story and how you got to where you're at today with owning a company that does bed bug detection. Yeah, I graduated with a degree in criminal justice and I minored in psychology. And the plan the whole time was to do go into law enforcement uh, for years from when I switched majors. And my last semester, I did a internship with a local police department here, and I liked it. I had fun. Um, it just wasn't something I wanted to do every day. It was just responding to a lot of mental health emergencies, and I just it was just something I just couldn't deal with every day. Um, so then I didn't really know what I wanted to do after college, and I took the first job I applied for, and it was like a lawn care salesman. I did that for a little bit. And then after that, I was a loss prevention supervisor at Kohl's department stores. So I was catching people stealing and doing that for a little bit. I just sat in this little closet and watched for theft. And it that wasn't worth it because I didn't have anything on me. I couldn't touch them or anything. So um, the money wasn't worth what I was doing. And then finally, after that, I found something within my, what I went to school for. And I was an anti-money laundering analyst at a bank for a while. And it sounds a lot cooler than it actually is. I was in an office environment from 7.30 to 5 or whatever. And it just, I couldn't find any fulfillment in it. It was draining. I was miserable being in an office environment. I didn't care how much it paid or what benefits I had, it, I couldn't do it anymore. Mm -hmm. So then I made the choice. I was like, well, I'm going, I'm young enough. I don't have any responsibilities. I want to find something I'm good at or find something, not that I'm good at, but that I'm interested in and mm -hmm. I really want to do. And it was always animals. Um, I was even applying at jobs at the Cincinnati Zoo for things I wasn't qualified for because I just wanted to work around animals. I've always loved dogs. Um, and so I was walking my boxer downtown Cincinnati along the river and like the Julius canine harnesses that you can buy, you can customize the patches on like Amazon mm -hmm. and I'm from somewhere called Co college Hill. And just to be funny, cause he obviously wasn't like any sort of working dog or anything. I just put college Hill canine on his little patch and, um, someone stopped me and asked if I trained dogs and I said no but something clicked i was like why don't i do that like i don't have to have a zoology degree to do something with dogs mm -hmm. and so i a friend of mine um, was working at a um, prosthetic implant manufacturer and distributor so i was like i'll just work there until something with the dogs works out so i started working there 
I uh, volunteered at a animal, a no-kill animal shelter um, for four years, and I was working in an eye care program that worked with dogs with bite history, and um, we would work train through any behavioral issues they had to make them more adoptable. And I, so I did that, and then I interned with a ring sport trainer, did the decoying stuff for a few times, um, and saw how he did board and trains. But I still needed something that was lucrative enough to do and make a living off of, but working with dogs. And I didn't want to train dogs just because I wanted that relationship of me and my dog doing something together and being like a team. And um, I messaged Eric Stambro because um, I was always listening to the podcast and I asked him, and that's how I found out about you too. <laughs> and um, I was like, what can I do as a civilian that I can make money off of because I'm not going to do the explosive contracts get gobbled up by the bigger companies mm -hmm. and whatnot. And he said, um, do bed bugs. He said, there's a ton of money involved if you can get in and do it. So I ran with it. I emailed a company that sells them. And they told me how much the dogs were. And I was like, well, forget that. <laughs> so I kind of put that on the back burner. And then I was on Indeed every day looking for someone hiring something dog related and a guy a couple hours away was hiring a bed bug handler. I couldn't believe it. Um, I emailed him a hundred times. I was implying through Indeed. I was, I already knew the vendor where I was getting the dogs from. I already talked to him. And so I interviewed with him. He hired me, sent me to Florida to get um, the dog I was working. And then um, I did that for a couple years and then COVID hit. And he already owned a successful company um, doing cabin rentals. And when everyone wanted to be outside when COVID hit. So that was taking off big time. And so he was like, do you want to buy the bed bug business from me? And that's how I got here. So you ended up getting a bed bug business in the middle of COVID when it was way more difficult. You took on a dog that was uh, that you handled, but then also an additional dog. So you guys had two dogs at that time. The and you did this without that prior military or law enforcement experience. So that is says a lot because it's not easy to get into as many have tried into being a professional detection dog handler. There's limited opportunities. Like you said, the choices are be a contract bomb dog handler. Well, those now there's no really wars going on. Uh, that's dried up tremendously. Um, there's, you know, stuff here stateside. There's various contracts for stadiums and sporting events. And uh, now there's an uptick in, you know, uh, companies. I don't know how many schools are going to take them up on it, but companies offering these firearm detection dogs to go search schools. Um, but bed bugs has been around for a while. So it's established. And it's also kind of thrown in with, uh, I know, the termite detection dog world. So it sounded like, to, and, you know, as you built this, there also is a little bit of networking aspect that makes it successful because it's not just everywhere. Not every place wants, um, uh, you know, dogs or uh, will even address a bed bug problem. And there's other ways to deal with it too. Some just take a proactive stance and just do, um, you know, remediation of areas or just automatically treat areas, you know, just to be preventative on it. So, and, and I, I, don't, I know I'm going to crush some dreams here, but, you know, I'll let you fill in the gap. But you basically just search really nice hotel rooms. You don't really do anything that's very dirty or disgusting. You guys just being a bed bug dog handler is just searching really nice, cool hotel rooms, getting to eat some really nice food at some of these places. They'll feed you there. You'll get paid like, you know, maybe 10, 20 bucks a room. And gosh, how many rooms are in a hotel? A lot. So I could probably be at a hotel for a week and make a few thousand dollars. That's how it works, right? I wish if it was, <laughs> then I, yeah, I would definitely be turning down some other places. Um, no, no, yeah, you, no, you can spoiler uh, alert so, them and give nope. them the reality of it. You can tell them what it's really like. Yeah. You're going to be going to some places every month that, um, there's no words to describe just. So there's the one that we do. I do every month at the string of apartments, a couple hours away. And, um, Every time a new tenant moves out, I come in and clear it before someone else comes in so they can't say this apartment gave me bed bugs. And a lot of times it's low income housing. So a lot of times they'll leave 
a ton of stuff behind. Um, there's no telling on what's on the floor, what the dog can ingest through their nose or their mouth. It's, it's rough. Um, I, I will do some nicer companies. Um, there's definitely some larger companies that we go in and someone complains of seeing a bug or two and we'll go do those. We've done military bases that weren't too bad. Um, but the reality is most of the places you go are going to be pretty gross. Um, not that you're going to be seeing bugs everywhere. Cause there's no reason for us to be there if there's going to be bugs everywhere, but it's just people who, uh, people they, just don't care. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They, they, they leave people, trash people behind. Live, yeah. Yeah. Some, some people just live in squalor and they don't care and they're just, they bounce from place to place and they'll leave everything behind. And, um, I can't tell you the stuff that I've seen on the floor, uh, blood, probably every, every fluid you could think of. Yeah. It's just, if we, so when pick, when we get home, I let her in the back. I don't bring her in the house because she'll, she lives in my house. She lives like a normal dog. She's not going to get up on my bed in my pillow with <laughs> those paws that were just in God knows what. So I have a routine when I get home, what I do with her. And, um, yeah, the reality is it's not going to be, if I could pick a different scent work discipline of what I was finding <laughs> when I really wanted to work with dogs, I obviously would have, but, um, yeah, I got stuck with bed bugs. Yeah. You got to go where the work is at. And, um, you know, the reality that, uh, bed bug handlers face is you do a lot of these long-term stay hotels uh, you do these, like you said, low uh, cost uh, apartment complexes, and with that comes a type of living condition that most people would not put themselves in. I mean, as sad as it sounds, a lot of these places are just that step above homeless, and you're dealing with things like like you said, there's narcotic issues. So there's needles, there's, um, like you said, every kind of bodily fluid around that's just people just, I don't need to use the bathroom. I'll just do it right here, you know, and then they're out of there. And then now that, uh, either apartment owner or, um, like the hotel company itself has to make the place ready for the next occupant. Um, and that's where you guys come in to also help reduce or identify any potential bed bug issues. So it's not just the worry about, oh, is my dog going to get bed bugs on it? And then I'm bringing those bed bugs home. It's actually all of the other little cooties and bugaboos that you got to worry about being a bed bug handler and cleaning those things off of you and the dog before you go home. Um, speak a little bit about the, you know, I know a lot of times people are concerned like, oh, if I do bed bugs or I go to a really bad area, how much concern do I have of the bed bugs being on me and or also on my dog? It's not really a concern because um, most of the places we go into, it's not going to be like a heavy infestation more than likely because if they're seeing a ton of bugs, if there's a lot of activity, there's no reason for a dog to come in to tell you you have them because you already have them. So we don't, I hardly, I'm not around that too much. Um, that is the one good thing. I've never had a bug on me. I've never had one on any of the dogs I've worked. Um, they don't really like the temperature of the dog's blood. So they're not their first option to feed off of. They don't really move that fast. They don't jump. Um, so out of everything, that's really not a big issue. Now, do you wear like any protective, uh, clothing? Do you wear like the Kyvex suits? Is there anything that you do preventative to keep some of the nastiness? Like do the shoes you wear, do those not ever go in the house or what are things that you do to protect you as the human when going to these places and dealing with bed bugs? Um, no, uh, you just really want to wear flat, the bottoms of your shoes want to be flat. So if there was something on the ground, they couldn't like crawl up into like one of the grooves of your shoes. Um, but no, I just wear, people don't like you wearing stuff that says like, I would never wear, where is this at? I would never wear this on a job because they don't want it to say bed bugs. Like my, I have an explorer. It doesn't say anything about bed bugs. So I just don't wear anything that says why I'm there. Mm -hmm. um, but no, I don't wear anything different unless they tell me that, 
this building has this or that, but then I wouldn't be there because I don't even take the dogs into a place that's been treated recently, mm-hmm. like for bed bugs. We have to wait 30 days, one, for the dog's health, two, they're not going to smell the waxy exoskeleton of a bug over a chemical pesticide. Mm-hmm. But no, I don't wear anything extra abnormal or yeah. unusual. Yeah. Now, I mean, you don't pull up with your explorer or crown vic that looks just like a cop car that says caution canine stay back my dog will fucking kill you if you get near it then you get out with a little beagle um the, <laughs> I, I i run into that, that is- from time from time to time when i'm i've seen some of the training they, they they pull up with short of a police car with like i'm like what do you got on this like why is this like set up like a cop car you're just out here searching bed bugs and then the point that you made which was um most of the clientele do not want to draw attention that there's a, a dog team there looking for bed bugs. It's funny you mentioned that. So this is actually going to be kind of hypocritical. So I do drive an Explorer that used it was, it's an interceptor. Uh-huh. And the reason I bought it was because the in, uh, whole inside of it is plastic. Yeah. So I can wipe it all out. There's nothing. I'm not going to have fabric in there that eats any of the odor of these places that I go into. Because some of these places I go into, I'll come out of it. My clothes will smell like that place when I get home. Yes. So I strategically, it took me years to find an interceptor that wasn't just like, because these departments just beat them into the ground. They let them run all hours of the day. So I found one. I flew to Chicago to get it, drove it home with low miles it was in texas it didn't go through any crazy winters and it was all plastic and i did put a um little sticker on the side window where the kennels are that just says it's temperature control yes because i do jobs that i have i'll have the spaniel and the beagle both with me because i can't overwork them and the beagle just bays like crazy i was gonna say so i don't need to yeah, I don't need someone breaking my window open because yeah. they hear that. So no, it is the, temperature controlled. Yeah. And the, so I pull up to some of these places that are these rough areas that I'm going into in this interceptor with a little emblem on it. And they all, I just did one a couple of weeks ago and there was a drive by shooting two weeks before I went there and they shot up the whole, turned around the corner and shot up all these apartments. And I was there two weeks later in this interceptor and it crossed my mind when I pulled in. I was like, what am I doing? Like, I might just have to live with the smell and the fabric because this isn't the safest route. Well, to go. It, well, you you do bring up an important part. So, as 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 much as I was giving hell to the ones that, like I said, throw canine really big on the cars and caution, stand back, dangerous animal, <laughs> and then all of a sudden, like I said, a little beagle or, or a spaniel comes out of it. But the, you know, the I fully absolutely agree even though i don't do it but uh put on the you know this canine and vehicle vehicle is temperature monitored because there are plenty of people who all of a sudden these days and rightly so concerned about the welfare of the dog in the car and they may or may not know that the that the vehicle is temperature controlled and some of the newer cars even have people have the camera systems in them now too um but yeah, so I was, you know, uh, being sarcastic in that sense because I've had the ones come rolling up um, with, uh, it, like I said, the spotlight on there, the push bumpers, the the lighting, you know, and I'm like, you're just doing bed bugs at a hotel. What's up with all the extra stuff? And the point you just made, which is a really important one, when you go to some of these places, you do not even want to come close to looking like a cop because in many areas cops aren't really something people like that much so you end up drawing your attention to yourself and not in a great way um so we'll jump off the uh vehicle situation there for a second now the dogs the dogs have to be selecting the right dog because one of the things that we'll get uh you know fairly uh, frequently is People will contact us and say, hey, I have Fifi. Fifi's a really nice uh, dog, man. She searches everything in my house. I can't get her nose to stop. Um, Loves to just find everything. She finds every cigarette butt I put out in the house, you know, all this kind of stuff. So um, it's way more than that when it comes to having a bed bug detection dog, right? I mean, the... uh, 
it, it just because a dog likes to search will not necessarily make it automatically a great dog for bed bug detection. Talk about what's important for selecting a bed bug dog and maybe even why the old saying goes, why does size matter? Yeah, it's the most important thing and it's everything. And for instance, so I started doing nose work with my Malinois just because something fun to do with him. It'll make me a better handler with the bed bug stuff. Um, and I could learn something from a lot of those sport handlers. They're really, there's just things to learn from them. They're good at what they do, but there's just, there's like tiers. There's a different tier of the dog you need for certain jobs and bed bug dogs don't get enough credit at all for what they're doing. And actually, if you think about all the different canine detection disciplines, so if you think about law enforcement, um, explosive dogs that are getting contracted out, bed bugs, conservation dogs might be up there as well because some of those contracts are pretty mm -hmm. heavy with mm -hmm. how much the dogs are working, but it's not necessarily year round. It's usually for a grant for whatever. Bed bug dogs, other than dogs that are getting contracted out at airports who are sniffing checked luggage all day, I can't think of another discipline of how many hours a week, a month are on their nose. Mm -hmm. So they, the, the amount of hours they're working is crazy. You have to load management them. And it's just a different dog that you need for this job. One, environmentally stable. They have to be the right size. We do senior living centers, uh, just residentials where people are bedridden. I can't bring in my Malinois in these places and him, because he's all, I mean, you know, so if per someone's squirming on the bed, making noises, or they hear like a, um, uh, the machines that help them breathe, just anything, they can't be jumping up on the bed. Another thing is they don't want it to be a spectacle. So they mm -hmm. don't want to see a big shepherd of some sort walking into a senior living center or a business or a residential. They just don't, even though they could probably excel at the job, it, they don't want it to be a big scene. That's why the be another reason beagles were a really big um, movement when it became to bed bugs. So the compact dogs work better. They can get behind things. Um, if you do get them up on a bed that someone's not in, it's not as intrusive and it's not as crazy and it doesn't look as chaotic. Um, it's just people are less uneasy around a smaller dog. And just what the dogs have to do in general, I mean, most of the jobs I'm driving hours to do. So I'm sticking her in a crate, driving two hours, getting her right out of the car. I'm breaking her. And then I'm taking her into a place that environmentally she could be exposed to food on the ground. Um, animals that just if they had cats, that the cats were peeing all over the place. Mm -hmm. um, there was people who had 4-H animals in their house and wow. um or if i'm taking them into um even just like a warehouse she's there's skids going on behind her there's pallets being dropped so when it comes to environmentals and just the dog being able to work through all these different distractions and not only working through it but also doing it at a rate that's still successful and at a rate where you're still comfortable charging these people money for having your dog inspect what they're doing it's that's a part of the reason why i would probably never try to train them myself unless it was the last resort because the washout rate it's got to be i mean you would know better because you were selling some of them but it's got to be pretty high with what these dogs are doing and that's why when i was going through your handler school we went to the seagull apartments that were literally paid by the day they didn't care mm -hmm. who lived there we went to warehouses because um, those are the realistic environments that the dogs are going to be in. Yeah, it's a important point. You 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 nailed the uh, nail it on the head with a lot of those uh, things you brought up, which was you need a dog that can handle the level of distractors in these environments and stay motivated to work. Another aspect, kind of, is the look. A dog that doesn't look intimidating, that doesn't look um, like why you know to law enforcement like something that's approachable that but but blends in that people don't automatically just assume oh they're there for a particular searching reason um 
And like you said, the Beagles had been popular. Um, now the Spaniels are getting popular because just within those two breeds, you have one that's a hound uh, and it likes to work with nose to ground genetically really strong. And then you have one that's a flushing type of dog, a bird dog that uses its, its nose up a lot, but it's also a very active dog. Since you've had both types of dogs, um, and you've seen other dogs out there from the Labradors and things like that, give us a rundown of what you, your opinion on what it's like to work from a Beagle to a Spaniel to what you've seen. Even you, you have a Malamon yourself, like you said, you don't necessarily use it for uh, bed bugs, but talk about the breeds, pros and cons, and what you've learned by working these different breeds. Yeah. So I worked two Beagles, the one that I originally got, um, when I started doing the bed bugs. And then I worked um, a, a beagle. I still work every now and then, which um, was another guy who worked for our company. Um, he passed away unexpectedly um, right before I bought the company. And um, I inherited his beagle as well. And because I couldn't let that dog go anywhere else but to come with me. So um, working birdie and copper, birdie is different than copper. So I worked birdie for three years. And I would say she getting her to work and not have her nose Velcro to the carpet was a bigger job in itself than me just doing the job I was there for. I was more worried about how it looked getting her nose up off the carpet and not just had her head down the whole time than me doing what I was there supposed to be doing. So with the copper is a little bit better than that, but he still beagles are predisposed to having their nose on the ground. That's what they were put on earth to do. Detection wise. I, I love beagles. She's my favorite dog in the house, but detection wise, she just was not cut out for it. I don't know. People still use a ton of beagles. Um, they can be different than the ones that I've used working. I have just found that working a spaniel, as you said, she's, more of a flushing dog she's not predisposed to having her nose on the ground working with her in these nasty environments is way easier it's way less stressful i don't like she will pick some stuff up off the ground every now and then but she's a dog mm -hmm. but it's not hard just to just pop her on the heart because it's connected to a harness just one she comes right back up and goes right back to work um she's not rummaging and then even with the malinois he's not when I do nose work with him, I mean, I wish he was a bed bug dog because he's great. <laughs> um, just environmentally, he's not there. But um, yeah, it's it's night and day. Like I've told you before, it's almost like comparing a 2003 Civic to a modern day 2022, whatever sports car you want to compare it to. They just work completely different. Um, it's more flowing. It's more smooth. Um, but that's just from my experience. I know there's great beagles out mm -hmm. there that do it. But when you go to these seminars, even that I go to seminar certifications, you'll talk to the other handlers. They'll tell you my beagle has a half collapsed trachea. Mine has trachea damage. So we have to work on the harness, whatever, whatever. And there's a reason they have trachea damage is because every job they go on, mm -hmm. it's just yanking and yanking and yanking to get its head off the carpet. Yeah, no, that's an, is a very important thing that people may not consider at first. Um, and again, I've run into it where people have reached out to us and they're like, hey, do you have any beagles for bed bug detection? I'm like, no. Um, you know, any – it always comes down to the dog in front of me. Um, but I do stack the deck to look for dogs that have very biddable type personalities um, that also have genetic capabilities that match the type of work I do. Um, and typically hound type breeds aren't best suited for that, but doesn't mean they're not, they can't, there's plenty of them out there, but with that said, they are harder to find. So, um, where if you just shift to a different breed, in my case, the spaniels based on the size requirement that works really well for bed bug detection, as well as, like you said, the ability to work through environments with heavy distraction, um, they, they fit that bill really well and they were more abundant and I didn't have to search for so many to find the right one. Um, and like you said, there's also an image that comes with it because of those beginning companies, um, that said, Hey, 
the beagle is what we say is a bedbug dog or what we say is a termite dog. And they would, you would focus on those breeds because of that. So I had to do sometimes some conversation. Sometimes I was like, Hey, it doesn't matter. I don't care what it is. It better be a beagle. So, um, it, it, you always, the, the saying that people have heard hundreds of times now, get the dog you need, not the dog you want. And you'll be mm-hmm. far more successful with that. So as we've gone through it here, so, you know, you had a business, you realized, the clientele that typically look for uh, bed bug detection dog services are going to be um, the complexes that are you know typically low income and or the hotel services that are the rent by the week, month, etc. It's not those really nice ones, though there are some out there that are the nicer ones that do use dogs preventatively. You also have one now that's warehouses. Talk to us about that. How did warehouses get into uh, needing bed bug detection dogs? So we do, I'm, I won't say the company names, but yeah. huge companies that ship stuff out to residential homes or they ship them out to storefronts and the people packing the product into the box that's going home to they're finding bed bugs around the stations where they're doing all the packaging. Um, so we constantly, people will find a bed bug in like a skid or they'll find one in the work truck that they're driving around the property um, or like the uh, break room area. And we've done like the commercial laundromats where medical companies will take all their, um, uh, what, what's it called? like their sheets and whatnot mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, places like that. Um, just major, major companies, warehouses that they ship everything out of just their employees when they're packaging the product in their workstations, they found bugs in that area or they found them in the break room. And so we would go through each individual workstation. We'd go through every break room. And then while we're doing this, I mean, there's not really, everything is like steel or aluminum in these warehouses. Like there aren't many, the softest thing that the dog is actually used to smelling on a day in and day out basis would be like the computer chair they sit at at their workstation. So it's a really challenging environment, not to mention the skids that are going by or the pallets that are being dropped or the trucks that are backing in to get loaded up. Um, And warehouses don't close. They're there 24 seven. So then you got, um, employees walking all around the place is distractions and they're watching the dog and they want to know why they're there and they're talking to the dog and everything else. So yeah, they're some of the hardest, um, environmentally, um, in that aspect inspections we do by far. Yeah. It's interesting to, to think about that, that the employees are bringing in the bugs and then transferring those bugs over to, uh, whatever they're loading. And then next thing you know, the bugs at your house and you don't even know it. So, um, very interesting concept and, and, and good on the companies that are taking a preventative measure to do that, uh, to mitigate that risk, which is a, a new business development aspect for those that are in the bed bug dog world. It's not just hotels and apartments and things like that. Um, it's, you know, potentially now warehouses, shipping places, maybe even some, uh, I would imagine, furniture type places would be interested in the use of bed bug detection dogs. So now looping it into, so we've, you, we talked about the right kind of dog. We talked about the types of places you work into. How do you go about, if you decide you're going to get into this now, how do you get these clients? What are the things that have been successful in obtaining the clients for this type of work? That's the biggest, that's the hardest part in general um it's the best way to do it by far is to prove yourself to a pest control company by through demonstrations because your dog is going to speak for itself your maintenance training um the stuff you do is going to speak for itself um it's hard to fake being good at this job because if you're leaving bugs behind at a residential if you're leaving bugs behind in a commercial job you're going to know and it's going to get out. The pest control company is not going to use you anymore. Um, that person can easily leave a review. I mean, we're called bed bug inspector, but yet we're leaving bugs in your house. And that's the only thing we do. We're not a pest control company. The only thing I do is to get this dog to find these bugs. And if I can't do that one thing I'm there to do, that's bad. And you're not going to be doing the job for very long. Um, and it's just 
not many people know that this is even a thing unless you're in the dog world and you've heard of it or if you've seen an advertisement somewhere like i was just down at the cincinnati home and garden show at a huge convention center in the middle of the city and unless i had the dog out with me like having her do demonstrations or having her on my lap in the chair no one would even come up to the booth and talk because it's just a bad look walking up to a booth that says bed bug inspector and you're there it's just not it's just something people don't want to do people don't want to talk about it it's like a stigma but yet if you have bed bugs they don't discriminate uh it doesn't, they don't care how much money you make what how big your house is i've done multi-million dollar houses and i've done double wide in the middle of nowhere um bed bugs don't care all you got to do is sit one place that had one that one just needs to crawl on you somewhere and then a female bed bug can lay eggs asexually after she's done it once mm. whenever she wants so advertising for this is the hardest thing in general um the best way to do it is just reaching out to pest control companies saying i don't do uh treatment so it's not a conflict of interest just watch my dog work i'll let you put the hides out it'll be a blind hide and i'll show you that she can get to odor yeah. The it's, you know, that, like you said, there's that stigma, you know, people don't want to admit that maybe they have or need a bed bug service. Uh, so it's not like you can, uh, it's, it's not as easy to market like you brought up. Um, there's, like you said, the networking factor is the more important one, reaching out to those pest control companies who are already getting the calls, um, being a resource for those types of entities. Uh, so that way, you know, when they have the need, they know who you are. Um, and hopefully, again, depending on the size that you are as a company, for you, you have multiple dogs now. Um, depends how much you can handle. And I, and I know you've even looked at adding, you know, handlers here and there, depending or subbing out to handlers. Is that correct? You've done, is that some things you've done in the past? Oh yeah. Yeah. I've contracted out work to other handlers. Um, now, well, recently with inflation and yeah. high prices there, that's been a problem because some companies now have raised their prices and it's like, well, if you're charging this and I'm only charging this, then there isn't much for me at the end of it. So yeah. that's been getting more tricky too. But yeah, yeah, I've contracted out work definitely. So another thing that we can talk about is the training of bed bugs or bed bug detection. Uh, a lot of people assume that you have to cover your body with the bed bugs and they feed off of you and that's how you have to maintain the dogs. Um, obviously, we know that's not the case. Talk about some of the intricacies of training bed bug detection dogs and what the truth is about uh, covering your body and having to feed all these bed bugs to keep them alive so you can keep training on them. And then maybe even talk about uh, lessons learned on things that are not live bugs or, or other products that are out there to use instead of bugs and whether that's successful or not. Yeah, so I do not let the bugs feed off of me. Oh, um, man. Now, but there are companies or there are people I know that do this job that have their own bed bug hordes and they feed them right off their arms. They'll just turn the vial over and they'll let them feed off of them. It's making me itch even talking about <laughs> it. Um, I do not do that. Once some of the bugs, I'll use some dead bugs to proof off of because I can't, there's no point in having the dogs find dead bugs. Um, so when I, all the bugs die in the vial, I just order a new vial and start over. Those bugs never come out of here. I have one right here. The bugs never come out of this vial. Nice. Um, these are, these are dead, but yeah, some people just turn their thing over and just let them feed mm -hmm. off of them. I don't do that. Um, so yeah, that's another thing. It's hard to find training places because not every place is going to let you shove vials of bed bugs in places. Like I, if I owned a company and someone came up to me and was like, Hey, can I train here? Training bed bug dogs where you use real bugs. A lot of times they're going to say no. So the cool thing that came out somewhat recently is the, um, Gentex tubes and those tubes that we use, they send them to you through side canine, I think, or is it precision explosive? Precision. 
Yeah. Yep. So Precision will send them out already with the bed bug odor on them. So when I saw it first come out, I was like, okay, let's see mm-hmm. what this actually is. So there's been pseudo odor in the past. And mm-hmm. So um, I ordered it. I put it out and I was with copper at the time it was before I got pixel and copper hit on it immediately. I bring it on a ton of jobs. I don't use it. Um, I use the actual bugs way more, but like when I go, if I do a big commercial job and it's going to take say two hours to do, if me and pixel are doing a job and she doesn't have an alert in 30 minutes, she's going to be like, what am I doing? So I'll shove um, the little tube in, a little crack somewhere and I'll let her hit it or before I bring her in the building. Like if I know the building and I know how long it's going to take, I'll put out some and I'll let her hit her, keep her motivated. And she hits them every time. They, I've never had an issue with those tubes. Um, so the recency of that coming out has been awesome because mm-hmm. then I can go to a commercial area and be like, no, I don't have to use real bugs. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, keeping bugs at first was weird. Um, mm-hmm. there's not many people want bed bugs in your house, but no, they're in the vials. They can't get out and I don't let them feed off. Me. Yeah. I learned the same lesson when I got into training the bed bugs, um, which is you can buy them from, uh, various places. I buy them from Dakota bed bugs and they're generated at, usually at, like you said, at universities, laboratories, they have the bugs colonies and they sell you them for, you know, in some cases like around, around a buck, two bucks, uh, a bug. And you get your vials with mm-hmm. X amount of bugs in them. You can tell them how many bugs you want each one. And the average lifespan <laughs> of the bugs in the uh, vials is about three weeks, give or take. Um, you got to be careful when they start when the jar starts getting filled with feces and dead bugs because now you're you're, you're going to be reinforcing other odors you don't want to do in most cases. Um, and then, like you said, with now the advent, actually one of the show sponsors is the company GetSent, and GetSent has those tubes that Precision Explosives, which is another sponsor, ironically, <laughs> that sells them uh, already impregnated with the bed bug odor, which then mitigates even further risk of you, you know, having to take the bugs someplace. And you know, it it may have happened to us in the past where. Uh, a bottle of bed bugs dropped, hit the floor, and broke, which meant it was a very quick cleanup, um, dousing with some alcohol and cleaning up the area and getting getting rid of the, uh, uh, the disaster of the bugs popping out of the jar when they hit the floor, but it was very contained. So those are the things that you do have to deal with with having bugs as training aids. Um, and I think even the harder part, and you can confirm this or talk about it more, is all of the proofing aspect, the teaching of finding the bugs. And in most cases, finding bugs in the real searches is actually easier because there there are more of them than what that little tiny surface area at the top of a bottle is. Um, But it's the proofing. It's dealing with all of the distractors that are out there. Uh, The dealing with the, you know, getting my dog not to alert to dead bugs uh, or the feces and things like that. Some people have had people say, no, I want to find the dead bugs. But a vast majority are like, no, I only want to have my dog indicate on live. So talk about the, what you're dealing with proofing and distracting. Yeah. Having them on dead bugs does nothing for us because we'll go into residentials that they just treated. And then if they didn't, if that person didn't sweep all those dead bugs up, there's going to be still, or if they put the casings on the mattress, there's still going to be dead bugs inside that casing, but there isn't any live ones or isn't an infestation. So there's no, we don't want our dogs alerting on a dead bug. Um, so we have to proof them off dead bugs, fecal, and the pla- like the plastic of this, and even like the netting we'll use to proof them off of. We'll proof them off food. So the thing I've used for proofing is actually, I might pronounce it wrong, the Honden Sport Boxes. Mm-hmm. Like see the, I, what I, got, I bought those, and then I'll put like um, a toy in one, I'll put food in one, I'll put blank vials in one, um, I'll put tape in one because I'll tape the vials of stuff. And then I'll run her on those boxes and that really helps. But yeah, the daily maintenance training, I don't do it daily, but the maintenance training of what you have to proof off is just another job in itself because you're going to come across every single odor that 
most likely on an inspection that I'm training with, like plastic. There's a ton of things made out of plastic. The smell of the cardboard. There's cardboard boxes everywhere. There's probably going to be dead bugs. There's definitely going to be food. Um, so the proofing aspect alone is just another job in itself. Yeah, without a doubt, that is, uh, to me, the hardest part is the proofing. The cardboard, the vials, you got to have, um, like you said, the dead bugs. There's so many things I need to make sure it's in the environment, the rubber gloves, cotton, et cetera, so that way the dog isn't honing in. Because sometimes certain dogs, you know, they don't all hone in on the same thing. Certain dogs honed in on the cardboard in the, in the tube. Certain dogs have honed in on the handler scent. Uh, certain dogs have honed in on the dead bug or the fecal matter. And you have to constantly give the dog all of these different pictures so they know which is the one that gets some reinforcement, which is some work. And so not only are you searching as a bed bug handler, your normal search work is a lot of spaces, room after room after room or warehouse or what have you. Then you have to do all that maintenance training to make sure your dog isn't inadvertently cueing in or honing in on non-target materials, which ends up being a waste of time. Like I said, the cool part though, that I did sit back and go, you know what, that is nice on the reality side of things was that the dogs finding bugs in reality was actually easier than finding them in the tubes that we would hide in the various locations throughout training. So that was a unique aspect that was, you know, different. Most times training is easier than reality, but in this case, reality, because there's usually, um, a infestation. So on that topic, how, when you guys do find bugs, what's the typical infestation that you find as a bed bug handler with, with, with the dogs? A lot of the ones that I'll come across when I do get alerts, um, a lot of it is apartments. Everyone's moved out and it's a blank apartment. If they didn't leave much behind, I'm doing outlets, I'm doing vents and stuff. I'm doing the um, floorboards. A lot of them would be like along the carpet where the carpet meets the floorboard or around the outlet um, or a vent in that area where like the backboard of the bed was up against the wall. Those are the areas. Um, anything wood, we it's, we tend to find them. Like the back of a headboard, the slats of a bed, we might find them. But we typically don't come across like a huge infestation because, um, again, they probably already know they have an issue and there's no reason for us to be there. Um, computer chairs are another one. Oh, another big one is cubicles. Mm. Like the cubicles have those. Yeah, uh, carpet walls, the, like the fabric exactly. walls. I won't say carpet, but fabric type dividers. Yeah. Dumbest thing ever made. Dumbest <laughs> thing. I don't know why companies keep doing it. It's ridiculous. They can easily come out, bite, and they go right back in between those two fabric walls of that uh -huh. cubicle. And then people treat them, and it's, a lot of times it won't kill them because they just stay there. Yeah. And if, if, if the residual of the treatment runs out, they just, come, they just wait it out and they'll come back out. So, And then a lot of times those cubicle walls are connected. So then yes. they can just come out through a different cubicle wall. It's crazy. Those are another big hot spot as well. Yeah, it's, you know, it, it's pretty crazy. You know, being a bed bug dog handler also requires you to be a good pest control type uh, experience, you know, to know where these bugs are going, where they live, how to get rid of them, how to treat them. We have a local guy here, Diego, who is really good about that stuff. I mean, he, he taught me more about the bugs, just being around him for a few minutes. And he's definitely helped Natalie and the other trainers I've had uh, with their education on the bugs. And we joke around. Because there's difference between what we refer to as the thug bugs, the bugs that he finds in the environment, <laughs> versus the bugs that come from those nice little jars. And the thug bugs that had to work for a living and had to like feed off of people or whatever they could find actually smell differently than the bugs in the vial. Uh, have you seen something like that too? Yeah, the purebred bugs. Yes. Um, so, yeah, Diego's the man. Um, he. I remember in the handler course, he brought in some of the thug bugs and um, we were training with those as well. And I think we came across um, some bugs in some of the places yes. we went and trained and all the dogs were hitting on it. Um, no, I haven't had too, I haven't worked too much with um, wild bed bugs that didn't <laughs> come from uh, um, the guy who breeds them. 
I need to. I need to talk to Diego, or I can talk to Pest Control guys here, yeah, and see if they can sling me some. Um, but no, because I just don't like. De- I'd never have wanted to put some in vials myself. I don't want to. When it comes to that stuff, it's like I'll find them with the dog. I'll have them here. I'll use them as training aids. I know about them, but when it comes to like contacting them, I try not to do it. But yeah, it's something I should definitely might do soon and see if there's any difference in um how pixel or copper react to the two yeah it's interesting um i'm lucky enough because diego likes capturing those bucks and saving those (laughs) and then he'll bring them over to us to use so we we can of course get these dogs that we do train uh ready for the real world and dealing with like you said the uh our purebred versus our thug bugs. <laughs> <laughs> it was interesting though. It, it goes to show you that you have to take into considerations um, what we think versus what we know. You know, we think that if I train on a bug in this condition, they'll automatically find bugs there. Yeah, maybe, maybe not because there, there is a difference. So before I, I let you go, what's some advice that you would give if someone says, hey, I want to get into bed bugs I want to be bed bug detection dog handler, or I want to go maybe work for a company like yourself. Um, what's advice you'd give somebody that wants to get into this field? I see, I see the question all the time on different people's social media. If like a trainer or um, a handler is doing a Q and A, that's in like an interesting field, like conservation or something, which is really cool. Um, I see all the time people are asking, as a civilian, what can I do to make money being a handler? And that's what I was trying to figure out for years. Um, You might not want to be working with exactly what your target order is going to be. Like I would prefer not to be looking for bed bugs, but you just got to follow. That's the most realistic and what um, if the money is going to be there. You just have to love it because you got to love working with, you have to love everything that goes into with the dog itself and the whole process because now i'm up to four dogs living at at my house Mm -hmm. and um that's a job in itself Mm -hmm. um the maintenance training uh the expenses of uh, vet care food everything so you have to love the whole process you have to be willing to drive two hours up to another city to only do a job that's going to pay like 250 bucks and drive all the way home and half that money is probably going to go to gas Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, you really have to be, um, motivated to not, like for me, it, I wanted to be motivated not to go back to an office environment. So I didn't care what it took. As long as I was making enough money to keep me out of an office and to keep working with a dog, I didn't care. I would do any job. It didn't matter where it was, they were paying, I was going to come do it. Um, not to be afraid to ask people who are already successful at it questions. When I first wanted to start getting into handling, I was so annoying at messaging <laughs> people. I mean, I've probably messaged you a ton of times about different ideas I was working on. I know I was messaging um, Eric and just different people that were already doing something that I wanted to do or I wanted to get into and how they're doing it. Um, I was obnoxious, but I didn't care. Yeah. I, mean, what, I have nothing to lose. I was yeah. I'm not responding. Um, there's a ton to learn from people who are already figured out a way to do it and to make it lucrative. Um, yeah, you just got to make it a lifestyle. Uh, having four dogs isn't easy. Um, especially pixel is not when I had pixel at the, when I had pixel at the hotel in Vegas, uh-huh. she was like, she behaved herself. She would sleep whenever I was relaxing. Then she gets here and she gets comfortable and she's more active than my Malinois. And it's between those two, it's nuts. But yeah, you just got to love it. And if you love it and if you're fulfilled, then everything else should make it easy. See, I planned that perfectly. So she lived in chaos here with all the other dogs. So when she was with you for the couple of weeks going through training, it was like luxury life for her. So she was perfect. I do this with all the dogs I sell. And then people are like, oh, they're so awesome. And then they get home. They're like, this thing is nuts. And I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about. That dog was a dream. (laughs) She is nuts. She's got more energy than, like I said, my mouth. She just... (laughs) Well, I took her swimming recently and she was swimming in probably an acre pond and she would swim all the way out to half of it. She's jumping off the dock 
and then she'll sleep the hour drive home. She'll sleep. She gets back home. Battery recharged. To, it's ridiculous. <laughs> she wears me out. I'll take it like this upcoming week. We have three days of inspections, all two hours away. It's four buildings per campus. She mm-hmm. does all of them three days in a row. By Friday, she'll be right back. There's just yeah. no tiring out. There's no off switch ever unless <laughs> she has something in her mouth. Well, I, but the, the the good thing is she is, I hate to say perfect, yeah. and I'm not trying to blow smoke up your ass, but she <laughs> is, she. We, yeah, uh, no, I mean, you reached out to me. And you said, "Hey, I want a uh, female uh, Springer Spaniel or Spaniel." And I'm looking at some different adults, and I wasn't finding anything that was what I was looking for for you. And then I was like, "Hey, I am getting four puppies from a friend of mine. Uh, there's a female in that group." And at, what was crazy was at first I gave her back because I was like, "I'm just going to do two dogs." So we we I looked at we looked at two. Um, she was one of the two, but I liked one of the other ones it was another male. So I said, okay, we're going to keep chip and rip. And then me and you spoke again. You're like, no, 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 a puppy's okay. I'll do a puppy. I'll wait. And man, yeah. that paid off because I went back like a week later, got her and brought her here. And then we raised her for a while and, you know, Annie loved raising her. That was her baby girl. I'm sure she still uh, likes and watches everything you guys do. Um, But that was a huge plus. And and that's one of the things I love doing um, is these raising of dogs from a puppy. And then they get a job with somebody like you uh, or agencies who we put them with. It's just a big difference being able to raise a dog uh, from zero and then knowing what I'm raising it for. Uh, the type of work I'm going to raise it for. And that for you paid off uh, because she's a little uh, machine when it comes to working and and all that energy, like you just mentioned is really valuable when you got to search all those rooms where other dogs, you know, peter out way faster. They don't have that intensity and that level of work ethic to go those long distances and, you know, do it over and over and over again, and then quickly sleep for an hour recharge and ready to go again. And you're like, no, we're done. But And I think what a lot of these vendors forget sometimes is that these dogs, unless it's a law enforcement and the dog has to stay outside or whatever, most of the time these dogs are going to be living with you. And them in a kennel environment and then moving into a house can be chaos and it can Mm go poorly and that will affect the working relationship. I remember I was listening to you one time. It was I forget who you had on. But you were like, if you can't treat the dog like a normal dog without it affecting its job, then it's probably not the right dog for the job. Yeah. Um, And just being, like you said, being raised in that, well, there is some stipulations. Like, I'm not going to let her have a toy all day and kill that drive, whatever. But just living with the dog, raising it as a puppy versus being in a kennel whenever it's not working, it's night and day. Yeah. Well, I mean the world that you're in bed bug conservation, other detection dog programs clearly show that you can have dogs that can interact and live in your life, live in your house with you, um, with it, with rules and conditions. And it doesn't kill this drive. There's not this fear, which I find ironic sometimes, uh, on the law enforcement or maybe even not so much search and rescue because they do a lot of those individuals have dogs living their lives with them. But there is this fear that gets passed around that, oh, if the dog lives in your house with you, it'll automatically turn into this mush dog and that won't work. Um, that's not the case. Most times the true matter is I don't want the dog living in the house with me because it's going to tear up the house. It doesn't know how to behave in my house and I can't live with it that way. Um, but yeah. it, there's, you know, a little bit of myth busting is um, you don't have to fear the dog. If you've selected the right dog, you don't have to fear the dog living in your house and spending time with you uh, that it's going to kill this dog's motivation or drive because now it, it gets lazy affection as they refer to it as. No, the dog's solid. The dog's solid. You know, there's going to be exceptions no matter what we do. We can always pick outlying regions and say, oh, this is what the problem was. Um, Where in general, having a balanced approach to the dog being with me, living with me, and also having time where, you know, it can be sleeping in its crate or doing something away from me 
is also valuable. Um, it doesn't have to be all the way this side or all the way the other side. You know, you got to know your dog in front of you. So thank exactly. you very much for spending the time to to talk to everybody about bed bug detection. How do people that if they want to learn or someone wants to hire you, how do we find Nick and his company? Uh, my website is K9, letter K, number nine, BBI.com for bed bug inspector, BBI.com. Um, I have social media as well. It is K9 underscore BBI. Um, and then I have a personal one um, that I post a lot of dog stuff on too. Sure. And that is um, N I C H O underscore my last name, Hamer. Yep. And I will share those. They will be in the video here and then they'll be in the comments on the show notes for those that are listening to the podcast. Again, thank you so much for being on here. I got to give you the uh, typical show round of applause. There you go. There we go. Everybody gets a a kick out of that one. Um, But for all the listeners out there, Thank you for tuning into this episode of K9's Talking Sense, where it's okay to be nosy.